All right. Well, guys, welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. And last week, I think that's the first time we've ever given someone what the next topic was going to be. We, we kind of blurted it out there. But what we. we but what we didn't tell you was that we we're going to have a special guest. And so today we're going to talk about October strategies. And the reason we're talking about October strategies is because it's October. So it makes somewhat, at least a little bit of sense. But we invited a good friend of ours and a um, very successful whitetail deer hunter. Also owns some property near us that um, he manages as well. So we're going to pick Shane. Shane Edwards is with us today. Welcome, buddy. Hello, fellas. Glad to have you here. If you need interpretation, because Shane is from the South, we (laughs) will offer that later on where we can tell you exactly what he said or we can clarify it. So. And Easton has just stepped out on us, but that's because Easton is doing the customer service for raised hunting, and we get quite a few calls on the sense. And so he has an excuse is why we're missing one for a minute. He'll join us here in just a minute. So other than that, it's Warren and I. It's October 7th. Is that right? Or 6th? I think it's the 6th, isn't it? I think it's the 6th. I think that's correct. I can't see my phone. 6th. So we are kind of like into the October now. So anyhow... We wanted to talk to you, you guys and kind of give you a little bit of what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing at this time of year and kind of go along. I don't think we get into the November stuff. We'll save that for another podcast, but specifically October. We could call that one November strategies. We might do that. It might make <laughs> sense, or we could call it May and just really mess with people's heads, you know. So, All right, so where do we want to start? Well, who wants to start? Uh, I'll start because we're winning. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> you know here that had go. to come up sometime. So, so the, yeah, you, you want to know the difference? Warren the, was yeah. here till 5 o'clock yesterday, and Eli oh, didn't work. Yeah, he was and here And somehow, till... Dad always manages to be out of the office at 3 o'clock and in his stand <laughs> and everything else picked out. So I wonder how that works. Uh, you saw a lot of deer. I saw your video. Yeah, I was going to shoot one in your yard just to spite you, just You're to let you know. Me. Doesn't bother me a bit. <laughs> There's got to be a record for the closest to the meat pole. So, well, one of our strategies, well, that, that is one of our strategies though. And, and I, Shane, you and I were talking about it earlier before we were on here and that is killing resident does. Um, and why killing them early is better practice than necessarily killing them late. Because if you kill them late, then what ends up happening is a lot of times you're killing deer that aren't your deer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you know, and you shoot your does early or you shoot them late. I used to shoot them late, but I'm about two, three years ago, I started I thought, well, I'm just shooting everyone else's does because they're coming in. You know, you leave the food, you get three or four hundred deer in, on your farm, and then uh, who knows who do, whose does you're shooting. So I've been shooting early. So yeah. what's the theory behind shooting them late? I'll be honest, I've never had a theory about. I just shooting does because I like shooting does. I've never really cared about. That's because he late. doesn't own the ground. Huh? You know, he's not <laughs> yeah. the one feeding them. So, right. but what? So what are they? What's supposed to be the benefit of shooting them late? Not the the benefit the the benefit of shooting them late is that you're still getting rid of some deer. But what Shane's talking about, what I'm talking about, what the state is preaching is that shooting them early, you're you're shooting your deer, the deer that are that are core to your area. They've had the fawns and they're staying in that area, and so taking those deer out, you're actually thinning numbers off your off your farm. Getting rid of the social pressure, the bucks doesn't want, and you know, like he said, you're not feeding as many head either with your food plots. And I do think that it also helps because I do think that if you've got too many deer, and in our case, in some of the farms we hunt, we do, and that is you can have too much, too many does, and therefore there is no buck activity amongst each other. Yes. You know, that everyone's got one, so why do I need to mess with anyone? I'm not coming to rattling antlers, nothing. I think that's two-sided, though, because I think that that sometimes helps you keep bucks there. You know, where you may have that big buck that he'd go off and, and would go over to your neighbor's place or go, you know, on that two-mile journey to find the next doe in heat. Where if you've got them all in your place, he doesn't go anywhere. And the yeah. reason I say that is a few like Junior, Ralph, yep, a um, couple of those other bucks that I've seen that they don't they don't ever leave because they've constantly got a hot doe. And, and I think that where that really becomes is what is your buck-to-doe ratio. You know, I mean, if it's 10 to 1 and you, you, you shoot some does and now it's 8 to 1 – you're still going to have your bucks there. There ain't yep. now. If you're taking it from three to one to one to one, you know maybe you're having a you know now he is not going to you know he's going to breed once or twice and he's got to go look. Yeah. You know so 
I, we're not in that category, I don't believe. I would say that... Well, we would have to shoot a pile of those absolutely. to get it down to that uh, pile. Yep. So what opened my eyes up was 2019 the EHD. So we had way too many deer. I mean, we're like my neighbors and I, we shot like 50 deer one year. Next spring, and we done, we shot them late, so we probably shot everybody else's deer. But next spring, we still had just too many deer. And they were like, we didn't, you couldn't even tell we shot any deer. So uh, 2019 HD rose around. I found... 50 on my farm and uh so that wiped them down pretty good because if i found 50 there were 50 probably every farm around me so then you're losing you know 200 deer instead of 50 i seen a, a huge benefit of bucks coming out earlier uh, the next year in daylight um hanging around the farm um and just they just seemed like they weren't pressured as much they weren't as nocturnal they were out daylight hours and still to this day i've got more daylight activity really? that's just my personal what I've seen. You think just because of less deer numbers? I think social pressure when there's too many does, those bucks, you know how they get out there and ever you get 40 deer in the field, then next thing you know, you got one thinks it hears something or smells something, it flags off, it runs off, and it clears the field on you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what what's happening. I mean, those bucks just doesn't lose the mature bucks. You know, four or five-year-old, two-year-olds, they don't care. They come right back out 20 yeah. minutes later. Those mature deer don't like that. They like, they like you know, less stress. Yeah. Well, I think as much as our listeners probably want to hear, I mean, they hopefully people listen and know that we're into shooting some does because we need to. It's a necessity. I agree with Warren. I still like hunting. And so shooting does, and I think I said it last night when uh, Nick and I took the lead, that, um, you know, um, <laughs> that every time you shoot a doe, that's one more experience that you have for that time when you're going to have that buck standing in front of you, whether it's trying to like last night, shooting out of a hard sided blind, making sure everything was clear, um, trying to coordinate in a tree stand or whatever it may be. But I definitely think that the viewers out there, the podcast listeners are going to want to hear what are our theories about killing bucks in October. And so I think we want to get there and Easton's joined us now. So, Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just, I do, normally I do this at the beginning of an introduction when my family meets someone that we've never met before. And I just say, look, I'm sorry. And that covers everything that they might do. He does this every podcast. And he tries to say that yet. There's a video of you on Instagram that's got 30,000 views because of how immaculately you're able to break wind on our poor camera guys. (laughs) (laughs) And you say, hey, we we apologize in advance for our father. (laughs) And just just so you know, that covers everything, okay? From now till whenever, just we we apologize. And then to those 75 of you that saved that video... You guys are weird. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. Okay, so let's talk bucks. October. October. Uh, Let's start with how many bucks have you killed in October? Mm, Big mature bucks, too. Which splits? Splits in in the the wide 10. The wide 10? Late October, though, right? October 21st? Yeah. You know, so mid. uh, Yeah. Uh, Shane, any October bucks? Lately, I've had a lot more success because I'm hunting them more. I didn't realize that that's most probably the most profitable time of the year to uh, hunt big bucks. I always, you know, couldn't wait for the rut to roll around, but then they blow out or they're honed up with a bunch of does. And uh, but yeah, I've, I, last two or three years, I've I've taken several in October, anywhere from October first. I know it's hard for you, Kentucky, uh, people, but I don't have enough fingers. But <laughs> <laughs> he just took so at least ten. Then, no, huh? no, probably three or four or something like okay, that. Okay, three or four. Yeah, when you asked that question, I was trying to think, but yeah, that's in the last three or four years. And and so, and I'm gonna guess that you're probably intentionally hunting all of those deer. Yeah, it's target bucks. that buck. Yeah, yep. okay. I, you haven't had any in October. October tenth. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. No, that it was eighth, wasn't it? Deer. No, it was the tenth. It was the day that I killed following both. the doe. Yep. Yeah, October tenth. That would be the earliest. That was a pretty much year. I've never it was uh, a four and a half. Well, yeah, for me, it was know. a big, really big deer. But I, I haven't anywhere. killed much of. Yeah, I haven't killed really anything early in October. I think I've killed some of the ones I've killed with Dad have been like late, like October twenty and past. Everything I've killed that would be larger or more mature deer would be anywhere from last year's was November third second. Yours was the second, I thought. No, mine was the first. Okay, so second, and then December, second or third, the year before that. Right. I think I've only killed one in October, which was Bullwinkle. No, I also killed that 10 with you, like the 30th. The one that hit him really good. That's a super huge, it fat one. Came, no, the one no, with the G2s. 
Oh. 160 some inch deer. Oh, yeah. that deer is really cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only two I've killed in October. Well, I think that one thing that we would have to admit is that kind of like what you just mentioned, Shane, we're, we're learning more and we're starting to figure out this October is everyone thinks the rut and thinks November, the, the deer are on their feet. That's when you drive to work and now you see them cross the road, you find dead deer. And then if you go sit in a stand, you might see seven or eight, 10, well, it depends on your goals day. though, too. Because if you want to kill uh, just a good deer, November is probably the best time. I, so I think going into October strategies, I think the first thing that you have to have in October is you got to have, you're going to have to pick out a deer. If you're going to try and kill a buck in October, unless if you're going to try and kill a buck in October of any kind of caliber, you better find one because they don't travel very far. And, and I'm speaking between yep. like the 20, the 20th and under. So from now till the 20th of October. And so from October 1st to the 20th. Yes. October 1st to the 20th. Now I think it, I still don't think they go that far once you get into like, you know, the 20th to the 31st, but I think they'll, they'll, right. they'll get up and they'll travel a little bit more. But I think, so to start with, if you're going to try and kill one right now, and I'm probably the worst person to talk to because I haven't killed one in this time period, although I'm going to try this year. Um, I think first off, you better find a buck that you want to kill because they're, they're not going very far. Just like Shane said. Yep. Yeah. They're going from buck or they're going from bedding to food and back. And they just, they're not traveling they're just not traveling all that far. So, and then I think the second thing is once you found that deer, you probably need to, you need to find them in daylight because you may find them on a food plot. You may find them on a field, but like, I hate getting pictures at like 2 AM because it doesn't, there's not really any information provided for me there. I'd much rather get a picture of a deer where I think he may be near his bedding area at first at daylight or 20 minutes before daylight or something where I know, okay, he probably didn't go all that far. And so he should be in somewhat of this vicinity. Well, see, I think we should clarify when we use the word pattern because there there's a difference between your summer pattern and the pattern we have right now. So when you at least talk in about the experience when there. our season opens. Yeah, okay, yeah, Iowa's October 1 for archery. Because you want to talk and, about pattern. Because, well, Shane, do you still hunt Kentucky or not much anymore? Not really, no. Okay, because I know you're from Kentucky, right. correct? So, and, okay. well, hold on, just that – in Kentucky, they have early season starts, and yep. they're killing deer in velvet and yep. patternable deer. Is it September then. one? It's usually the first Saturday of September. And okay, uh, well, like just see like west. That time, that's right. a you're that's the best time to kill a big Absolutely. deer. Absolutely, as far as patterns go, when you have them on that summer pattern, mm-hmm. you can at least we could in Montana. Yes. you could almost set your clock. Yep. You know, if they they if they entered the field at seven thirty one day, they're going to be there at seven thirty five or seven twenty five the next day. See, I think that. Uh, First summer pattern is com- is completely different than the pattern we're looking at now. So now it's October six six six, um, and what I really learned this year, which I've never done in the past, was I had so many cameras out during the summer. I've got all these deer, everything. It's great. I love watching them grow, but then I've noticed that where I'm getting some of my deer, it's a big enough area where I have other cameras. They move. Obviously, we knew when they shed their velvet, <clears throat> they're going to move somewhere, and. I knew what some of these deer were doing for a pattern during the summer. Well, then now they've moved into different areas, and some of them I got lucky, and I have where they moved to. But now they're on a different kind of pattern. So not just because they moved, but they're on a pattern now that I'm getting them during daylight in some spots. Um, But it's not near, like like you're talking during a summer pattern, a lot of times within like 30 minutes of when you're getting them consistently, they're probably going to be there that day. Now I'd say, yeah, they're probably doing the same thing just about every day. But there's a lot more randomness to it Nowhere compared to what the summer would be. But then once we get a little later in October and then in November, obviously, they're going to be doing exactly just fine and does. Um, so I just think it's good to clarify that the pattern we're talking about now is a completely different kind of pattern. than Because right, right now I, wouldn't, I would not put my money in the fact that I have a deer right now that's a big deer. And he comes out into this field and I have some daylight video of him in just like last light. I would not put money on him that he's going to come there every single time within 30 minutes of that. Yeah, now, he might come a little earlier. He might come a little later, but there's going to be variable to it a lot more. And I think a lot of that variable is the food. They have acorns now. They have, you know, if you got turnips, radishes, beans, whatever, they've got a yep. smorgasbord now to where in the summertime it's alfalfa beans yep. pretty much every time. And I've I've watched that with that point, like beans and stuff. A lot of people know what kind of what deer going to eat during certain times. I've watched my like the places where I normally have tons of deer and beans completely switch 
right now because yeah. it's all dr- they've, they're all starting to dry. We're getting close to harvest, yes. or some people are already harvesting. They aren't even hardly touching them. Like I'm, I'm finding loads of. Well, last night when me and Joey hunted, there's a bean field, a really nice bean field, and then yeah, a alfalfa alfalfa field. field. And yeah, they're hitting it through the, the alfalfa through the summer, but they were primarily like I'd say more in beans. Now they switched, and there was like 30 deer all out in the alfalfa. So you got to pay attention to like for us. I, if it was me and I was going to hunt a food source right now in Iowa, I'm green. hunting. I'm hunting green. Yep. Yep. And 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 that goes to the guy that is looking to build a food plot. You know, what do I put in it? When do I plant it? Clover can be one of your best things to put in because absolutely like, we one of the places where we've been killing our does is they've been coming to these clover plots i got and that's what easton speaking if, if if otherwise you're reliant on the farmer to plant alfalfa or something like that but if you got access to those fields and so understanding when those deer are going to make that switch and i think the big one that we're all going to see that the patterns will change again not only as we get colder weather as the rut comes on but for iowa we have tons and tons of corn and in, and when that corn comes out, those deer not necessarily they have changed their pattern. They got to change where they live. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we we're we're still having some deer that are held up in those corn fields. And a lot of people I've had people tell me, you really think they can live in a cornfield? And I'm and we've 100%. seen it. We've seen that happen. Yep. You find a big wallowed out spot, you know, ten feet. They just you tell deer hair all over the place. They've lived there all summer. Yep. And everything's there. And and so once that corn comes out, it increases our deer numbers for sure. And it decreases the places they can go, so that helps. I think when it, that corn starts to dry out too, because when they're getting closer, and it just happens to be when they're getting to harvest, they can't live in it. Because I now I don't know if there's a ton of fact behind it, but I'm imagining deer primarily some of them when they do live in the corn can live there because they have all their food, they have shelter, and they have the moisture from the corn. When it starts to dry out, even before they were to harvest, I don't think that I think they're probably already starting to move. Have to come out to go. Get at a least, drink. at least, have to come out of it to go do something. And <clears throat> the buck I'm hunting right now, my t- number one, he lived in the corn the entire summer. Didn't even know he was alive still. And then that the now that I'm looking at it, I'm kind of connecting dots here. Within like a week is when that corn started switching to dry it out. He's in he one of my up. creek bottoms too, during the daylight. Yep. And he was coming from the corn. Or did he just transition from his summer so that, range? Well, that's the other thing, too, is I don't know if he's just to the point where he knows that, okay, now it's time to, for fall. I'm going to go to where I live during the fall. Or it's close enough that maybe he's going in and out of the corn, going to get food and coming back. Okay, so let's think about this. I have a question here. Let's think about this. How how? So we say consistent. Yep. But I have a lot of deer on camera, so they are not that consistent. I agree. So let's just say a, a buck between now and October 20th. How consistent do you think he is? And what I mean by that is what food source is he going to? Is he going to the same food source? What bedding area is he going to? Is he going to somewhat of the same bedding area? Or is he all over the map and there's just some kind of consistency that you're able to capitalize on at some point? They're wild wild animals. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying let's think about this here. So you got like, let's just say that Shane's phone here is our farm, okay? And I get one picture of him right here at – seven in the morning one time okay mm-hmm. now i'm not getting any other pictures and there's food over here and there's food over here and there's good bedding over here how far is that deer traveling right now do you think i, I think we're in that transition period right now yes and and i think those deer could be traveling a long ways um they're, Which, they're, what's a long but ways? are you talking are they traveling consistently or are you saying so if we're going to say consistent yep. in my mind consistent means that i can bank on it at some point this is going to happen Right. That's yep. what the definition of consistent is over and over and over. I don't see all that many deer that I feel as though are, are what I would consider consistent in October. I, I do have places that I feel as though if I sit consistently, he'll do it at some point, but I don't feel as though that I have, I don't have, I don't, maybe, maybe guys that are just sitting over food plots all the time may have deer that are coming out every night into the same food plot and stuff, but I don't see that very much during this no, time that's period. Your summer, that's your summer pattern, I think, right. to your so, point. So how far are they going? That's my question. So last night, uh, one of my shooter bucks, 11, uh, he was down on my 80 farm, and that was at uh, at dusk. Camera went off. There he is. I'm like, okay, he's still down there. Uh, this morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up about 3 or 4 every morning. I look at, first thing I do is start going through those pictures, and there he is up on the upper farm a mile away, and he's there all night long. He came up there because I knocked some corn down, and 
He's found that. I don't know how he knew it was down or whatever, but he come up there. He stayed right around that area. Is that typical mm. of him? Does he like he's a homebody? If you've had, I've uh, had him on both farms. Yes. Okay, so that's kind of his range. Last three or four years, yep. He's he, just, but he's a big range deer. You know how all deer are yeah. different. Some of them got a small home range. Some of them's got a big home range. Now, will he st- will he typically like once he goes? You said it was like a mile or something, right? Yep. Will he stay there throughout the fall until he's like he gets through that first rut, or do you think he's going back and forth right now? He's back and forth all year. I mean, he'll be down oh, there in yeah. January. He'll be up. I mean, he's so back and think, forth quite a bit. Do you think cool. he's going back there and bedding? Or do you, on your 80 farmer, do you think that he sometimes beds on your other one? And then yeah, other it'd be interesting to know because late season he's – If you knew you'd killed him already, one right? Of the <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, do you think, though, like do you think that he's going to the same place roughly to bed or you think it's kind of random? I'm going that food plot tonight to hunt. So yeah. I think he's going to – I didn't think ask good you chance. where he's feeding, Shane. I asked you where you think well, he's Well, he's hoping bedding. he's bedded close by. Exactly. You so, know. but yep. on the 80 farm or the upper farm? Upper farm. Okay. Yep. See, okay. and and my number would have been a mile, and I'm just going off of a deer I saw yesterday. I'm I'm and I was driving. This is not the time of year you typically see him, and there he is. And now again, when we're talking consistently, there's a difference between consistently meaning I'm seeing them every single day, which is what we're talking about a summer pattern, and consistently saying, hey, he comes to this scrape every three four days. That's still a consistent pattern. I think trail cameras have helped us, whether they're cellular or not cellular, on figuring some of that stuff out, you know, and understanding when they're coming. And I, I definitely think that it's what's led us to the whole scent thing that we're involved in because now I'm, I'm October is like the time I want to be there because I do believe that I'm going to see a consistent pattern from a particular deer that leaves every year and comes back and I'm waiting on him to come back. He hasn't come back yet. That's not that that's not inconsistent. He does. He typically doesn't come back till October 10th to the, 15th something like that so well, ralph did that every year too absolutely. for five years we had a buck that for five years he would um disappear not us. one summer well we got one summer photo the holy crap one summer you photo from i know right <laughs> i'm rubbing off <laughs> uh one time and but that was it and then other than that for five years he would always show up and it wasn't in september it was it wasn't until right. october but i would tell you i disagree with you i don't think most of them are traveling that far right now and the only reason i think that is because we have one farm where um we've got several cameras out on it and easton and i have some different cameras on it and so far i don't think that there that you or i have one picture of the same buck i do i've i have one or two of yours which is uncommon in years past i don't but of of the amount of bucks that are on that place there's a whole bunch and our cameras aren't all that far apart that we are not getting from where you're hunting we're not mine all is like pictures of mile mile and a half not well, that if, if that I, not the one I'm thinking of not the other camera but oh. also the deer are all different you know I mean they all got a different mentality different we don't know what changes their mind or whatever but it just doesn't surprise me that you have a deer that's going a mile you know that he's wandering yeah. over here it, it honestly I feel like when the rut hits for a little bit they become more consistent with staying in an area I do believe that there is breeding areas not necessarily is it a hundred yard square and this is where it's not like a bedroom. They're not going there, but there, they, there's a particular farm where more breeding is done. I've seen it with elk. I believe that it happens with whitetails. And so I think that until we get to that point where they're triggered to be there, there this can be one of the best times. If you can catch a deer coming to a scrape for whatever reason, he comes to a scrape, there's a good chance he's going to come back to that scrape a couple more times here in the next few days. I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Well, for the next several days. Yep. Well, next several days, for sure. So let's just do this. I think it sounds to me like all of us have a deer we're hunting. So what is your October strategy to kill your buck? My to October, try to kill your buck? My, my October strategy is going to be that I have a particular scrape that I've seen this deer come to year after year. During daylight. During daylight hours. And, and it seems like once he moves in and he gets there, now it happens to be on the edge of a, of a food plot I put in. And so that food plot is back in this year. It's come in really good. The scrape is already being hit by several bucks. I've kept it active with our stuff. I started it in July, got them going early, and now they're all hitting it. I'm waiting on him to show up, and I need a north wind. And a north wind puts it, I have a stand that I can hunt him, which I could end up not killing him simply from that fact because there's no other way to hunt him with a different wind to where I think that I 
can truly target where this deer could be within a 25, 30-yard area. So yours is a waiting game, basically. Mine's a waiting game in, the in right some regard. Right when he moves in. And, he, and, he'll, and I believe he'll move back there. Yep. So but. I think this will be really interesting, too, because we, we have two different dynamics here. Because both you guys are hunting your own places. You've got farm, you got food plots and everything. And then both you and I are going to be hunting places that is not, that's just your, you your typical ag at. stuff. <clears throat> so I think this, yeah. will, this will be really good for everybody because I know we have listeners of both types. Yeah, good point. So who do we want to go to next then? I'll go. Okay, let's hear your strategy. Because I'm depressed today about it. You kind of already have an edge on all of us, really. Why? Because you, you have a you daylight have a photo, daylight oh, photo fair. of a of a mature deer. So I have. Uh, well, let's just help <coughs> you well, here's then, here's the guy. issue. <laughs> okay, shut up, Warren. Um, this deer is the second year I've known him. I don't know if he's maybe we have pictures of him when he was even younger, but I haven't recognized him. So I've known him for two years, and last year where he hung out throughout the entire fall was by one of these ma- massive community scrapes, and he was there all the time. Granted, it was later during the rut. Now, me thinking it's in the middle of a right, it's a big field. So I was thinking that he's just running around there trying to find does, not necessarily living there. This year, I had not seen him all summer. And then I get a picture of him uh, September like 26th or 7th. So like a couple days before our season starts. And it's him now where, where that field is. He's only like 200 yards away. And so now, and he was walking by during daylight, right in the first light in the morning. And I, right in front of one of my stands and going into bedding. And I know where all these deer are bedding. And the only way I'd say that he's not there, because I have been terrified to go in there and waiting for the right wind, um, is if he was moving from where he summers, which I don't know where it, that is at, but if he was moving from there to somewhere else and he's just passing through and I happen to get a picture of him. But I really do believe going off of last year's activity from him, he moved back. And so I got a picture of him. Uh, like I said, at 7.30 in the morning. So my goal right now is kind of similar to yours, but he's the only deer right now that I'm interested in shooting. So I am waiting 100% for the perfect wind. And when I go in there, and this is the first time I've ever had a buck this early. So I'm going in there the only times when I have that perfect wind and being ready and primarily in the morning because I know that I've hunted this stand or right next to this stand in an evening, but I don't want to go in there and uh, risk busting him in an evening because in the morning, hopefully, he'll be coming back to me. So I just got mine is whatever, and it's tough because I don't we don't get the wind a lot. So I that's interesting. That's interesting. My strategy is I always tell totally the opposite because my farms, you go into the fields, you've got good access of, so you can get in there and catch me coming back. Yeah, I go in there in the, in the mornings, October. I never hunt mornings in October because I blow them all out. They just run everywhere. Don't yep. even know if they're going back. I kind of blow their pattern. So I have to hunt evenings only. So that's pretty cool I'm hearing that you've got a place so you can go in the mornings hoping to catch you coming back to bed, which is yep. very effective. I kind of have to rely on finding where their bedding is at or finding where they're going to wherever that food is and catching them in between, whether it's early in the year or throughout the rut. So in your situation, like with if you're hunting a food pot like that, though, I'm, I would be the same way. I'd be hunting in the evening because I'm going to wait for them to come there. Right, but yep. I have access points where I don't have to go through fields and stuff. Yeah, so. that's good. Warren, Warren. leaves me. So the deer that I'm targeting just showed up, not too long ago, uh, and he showed up at 6:20 a.m., which to me is really encouraging because I do think that I have a good idea that he's going to be bedding near there. So the first thing I'd say I'm doing different than everybody here is I'm going to be on him solely out of a saddle, so I'm going to be adjusting on him all the time and. Going to these different spots doesn't matter in the wind to me because I'll just go and sit on the other side of wherever I think he's going. Um, but the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm probably going to hunt tomorrow just because the weather's so good. But after that, I'm going to find a day, and I just listened to one of our podcast clips the other day. I was talking about you can bump one one time. So I'm going to go round up all of my cell camps. So oh, you Lord. guys can love that. Here goes the and, cheater again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll even cam- call him the cheater buck, and I ain't got a single cell problem cams with it. and a pocket full of weights. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go get all my cell cams, and I am going to take them through this. I'm going to take one day, and I'm going to hope try to pick a crappy day because I've only got the one picture, so I don't feel as though he's there, like, every day. But he could be, and I'm and I'm going all in, so I'm going to run the risk that I might bump him. And I'm going to walk through all of it, and I'm going to try and find the most most 
buck activity that I can, either rubs, scrapes. I would love to find, like, a big scrape like I found when I killed Bullwinkle, where you can tell there's a community scrape in the timber in the bedding area, and I'm putting a cell cam on it. And I'm, then I'm going to go, and I'm going to walk through some everywhere else. I'm going to put a cell cam on that. I'm going to put a cell cam everywhere that I feel as though I might see him. And then I'm going to hopefully get a daytime photo of him somewhere, and then I'm just going to hunt off of that information. And I'm well, going to try I'd, and catch him going to bed. <clears throat> you said you don't know if, like, he's still right or there in that area. Oh, I believe he's close. I was yeah. going to say, I'd put a lot of money, because that deer didn't summer there. He didn't He didn't live there through the summer. And I don't think he did. But If he did, though, it would. I'd be pretty impressed, because... I would, too, but we I, don't have a ton of cameras on there. We got... Uh, that's fair, but I, I also think that he would have shown up somewhere in one of those fields with how many other deer were getting on some of those cameras. That deer, I think he just moved in, and he's he was there last year during the fall and during the rut and everything. Yeah, so I'd I say he's he's there now. Yeah, he's. I believe he's there as well. That's why I know that I'm. I was so. This is to everybody out there because we just posted this clip yesterday on TikTok and it got a ton of views of as far as bumping your deer. And here I've been playing the game myself. Like, man, do I just hunt it really, hunt him really, really delicate, you know, and just try to hunt the edges and figure out what's going on? Well, here if I'm going to take our own advice and say you can bump him one time, you're going to be okay, well, then I'm just going to cash that in, and I'm going to take one time. And if I bump him out of his bed, then then so be it. I think that he will come back. But then the information that I'm going to get once I have cameras in there, I'm going to be able to find him somewhere where he's close enough to his bed that during daylight I'll either be able to fu- catch him in the morning going back or I'm going to be able to catch him leaving it somewhere in the afternoon. And then I only have one year of history with him, and none of that started until November like 15th or 16th. And, but I saw him like six different times in that window. Sometimes I think that November is the best time to pattern deer because we've seen a few now that it seems like for yeah. whatever reason they will go and they'll find a doe and they do the exact same thing. After that 15th, 15th of Thanksgiving. I've seen – we, we had one in there that you've seen the sheds too we call Junior. Yeah. From the – it was like the 6th to the 10th or something every evening. Mm. Every single evening. Now, he always was following a doe. So you get got to – and it was the same trail. He come out the same exact trail, following a doe every afternoon. You have patterned that doe then, haven't you? Well, I think he was getting other does, oh, yeah. and I think he was pushing them in there, and then he. Well, was we knew it was a different doe because it. it oh. So so Warren had an opportunity to shoot him, and so did Karen. Karen and I happened to be sitting in another stand one day at three o'clock in the afternoon. Here comes Junior, and then we're like, "Well, Warren and Easton aren't going to see Junior today because we just saw him." Next thing we know, we get a text from Warren a couple hours later. says Junior just walked out with a doe. Well, he didn't have a doe when he came by us, so he picked up another one and went back up there. Yeah. And that's what we kind of figured. I couldn't believe it. I was the one saying, there's no freaking way. You guys are <laughs> wasting your time going back, you know, because yeah. he'd get out in the field. And what saved his life was a hay bale blind. We didn't trust putting a double bull blind in. The guy had hay bales, and I had a hay bale blind. Put that in there, and that kept Warren and Karen both from being able to shoot him because we had him at – 15 yards, 20. 16 yards one time. Couldn't shoot him, yeah. Yeah, and so, but but he's been, that's a rare occasion when you find this deer, one doing This deer was doing the same thing, though. I he saw could, him yeah. four that different is, times last year in the morning, following a doe, same trail. See, Builds or woods? I'm sorry. In the timber. Very good. In the timber. In the timber. I so, don't think that that would be that uncommon, and because if you look at that place, it was – He's not hunted yeah, he at all. Like, literally probably sees people a couple times a year, if that. And there's enough does, so, though. Yeah, and there's he doesn't have to go very far to find anything. So, in that situation right there, he's in a sanctuary almost. So, right. like, he's going to – there's no reason for randomness when he has enough of what he's looking for. And he wants to eat, he wants a doe, and he likes living there. And he doesn't point. have to worry about going to find other does. Right. But I'll say, too, on this deer that I'm hunting, I didn't have any pictures. I had cameras in there, and I, had pic- and I didn't have any pictures of him all year. And then, and I still didn't have any pictures of him until I saw him. I saw him hunting. And then I was like, who? Because I thought it was a different deer that we knew. And then I was like, holy crap, who the frick is this deer? And then I, I saw him again that same afternoon. Then the next day, saw him again. And I think it was two days later the next time, I saw him again. And then I moved cameras over there, and then I got pictures of him. And I was like, and so I also... Is somewhat played into how I how I placed my cameras this year because I had a hunch that he was staying towards a certain part, and so far that's the only place that I've gotten a photo of him. So I don't know what he does in October or anything, but I do feel as though if I can get close enough to where he's bedding now, that I will have a good chance at killing him. But it's going to be a matter of of 
of that. Well, let, let, if let's, he does what he did, did in November last year, he's he's in trouble. Well, he's here's my thing us. with I don't remember exactly what I said in that last podcast with the bumping him. I think it depends. We said I that think we it, felt as though you could bump a deer a couple you, times. I no, know we I did. I'm not afraid to bump a deer. Well, okay, you're, so you're try, you're trying to train him a little different. Yeah, but though. I don't do it on purpose. But I also am not afraid. I would 100 percent prefer not to. I don't want to, and I also think that it depends on the deer and the situation. Your situation, I wouldn't be worried about bumping him once or twice. Why? I think he's, because other other people have been around. Um, I think he we've seen him enough in certain situations where he knows something's up. And he doesn't go anywhere still. So in a situation like that, I don't think it's going to hurt you to go in there and do your cell cam thing. You take a day and you bump him. Whatever. No big deal. He's probably going to come back. I also think the information is worth it at this point. I would agree. I think, and, and this deer, too, it, we feel as though is probably, if anything, on the downhill slide. So to me, it's worth going all in and trying to kill him this year so instead of trying my, to play it super safe. Mine, though, and like you gave me crap for it last night. I am playing him so safe because I don't know much about him. I don't know if he's a really stupid deer, a really smart deer. He might just be an average deer. I have no idea. I just know that he's been here twice, and I'm going to wait for the one time. I, I don't want to go in there and bust him once. I don't want to risk having to ever bust him. I, I, would, want the if, one, I would be okay with seeing him one time. As long as I see him that one time and I did everything right, that's my opportunity. If I had your information, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be doing exactly what you're doing because you do have a daylight photo, and so you can bank that he should do that again at some point. I don't have a daylight photo yet, and that's what I care about is I need to know where he is at least close somewhere during during daylight. Well, so let's summarize a little bit, and then I got a question for you, Shane, because the three of us, the one common denominator that you have stated, you have stated, and I have stated, Shane's the only one that didn't, is that our focus in October is somewhat around scrapes. Mine, if I can find the right scrape, I will spend the majority of my time on that scrape. Mine is n- 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 I'm starting now, right? Because I I I have a theory on that. But. Okay, but but <laughs> Shane, you're the only one that now. Are you reliant more on food? You'd say than you are on scrapes in, at this time, or is it? Am like I, I may wrong? change my mind now. <laughs> no, I, I'm still on food, but uh, listening to all these different, you know, you're sending them in the morning times, and they're, you know, and he's he's sending his in the morning time. It's it's good to hear different opinions and different you know stories about it because then you don't get close-minded and you you can open up and broaden your ways of hunting but uh i primarily still i'm 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 waiting for that cold front a little bit of rain something like that that's when i've had really good luck with it um of course i set my farms up for that you know i um mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of times there is a good scrape and now you all said that i think back you know the, the field i'm hunting tonight you know last year david come over and i shot a deer and uh he brought dan over to track it and uh, we knew right off the bat that I, this deer probably wasn't dead, but uh, he ducked and turned right, you know, at the shot. And we had no, Ben was filming it. So uh, you see the deer turn, but he had come out to that scrape. And he about every time he come to that field, he comes to that scrape and that rub tree. It's right there together. And now you're all saying that. Now, when I was younger, I, I'd find a scrape in the woods. I was like, I'd get all giddy. I can't wait to hunt this scrape. And I guess I hunted so much and probably wrong uh, that I kind of just, fell back off of that and went to the food because I've had, you know, good luck hunting between the bedding and the food source or right on the food source. Well, uh, I think that there's certain scrapes that are going to give you a way better chance of killing. Deer. I agree with you're, you. You're doing the same thing as far as the weather. You know, you're just banking on the right, the right yeah, day. The, They're going to come to the food. Yeah. Get them in the daylight. And yeah. that's what where I'll tell you from what I've found, if you can find the right scrape near a bedding area or something, you can get those big bucks in daylight. But that this is the exact problem with them, is in order to find those ones, in my opinion, you gotta you got to go in there during this time. And so you're you have to be extremely, extremely close to where they're bedding and yeah, trying you, to get into that. Yeah, you got to find it. Like Now, I'll tell you, like if I hadn't found Bullwinkle the way that I did as far as just seeing him hit the scrape, I would have been, I'd have been really, really nervous about just walking through there trying to find some kind of scrape or somewhere that would tell me that he was close to there because he doesn't tolerate it. I know that he doesn't tolerate it. So I have a question because I think a lot of listeners would probably, I I think to your point, Shane, Iowa is full of scrapes by the time we hit November 1st. Yes. I mean, the bucks scrape everywhere. How do you pick out one that is one that you should be hunting as opposed to just another scrape? I mean, is there anything that you guys are looking for? I know there's some things that I'm looking for, but – um, and, and then we, 
I guess I'll go ahead and give my interpretation of that. And that is I'll add scent to them. You know, I'll, I'll clean, I'll knock, I'll cover scrapes up that are all within a certain area. I'll throw sticks in them and everything else, make them where they don't even want to go back there and leave mine, leave the one that I need them to come to. And that has worked well for me um, is, is making, taking their existing scrapes, but then making one of them the main one, the main one. And, and then and honing them in on that. I think it depends on certain spots because I've seen multiple different answers to that as far as what I my opinion is on it. And last night would be one of them because I was watching this buck that was way the heck over there. But he was out in a, on the edge of a field, and he came to – when I first saw him, I was saw, he started making a scrape, and he was hammering it. And I wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, he's not – he's so far away. I, he wasn't – we didn't ever have a chance for him to even think of him coming over to us. Well, I look back over there a couple minutes later, and I'm like, what the heck? Is he still right there in the same spot? I look up through my binoculars, hammering that exact same scrape, never stopped. Like, he's, consi- he's kept going. Now, here's where the theory of it comes in, because I think there's multiple along that field edge. I should walk over there at some point when I'm out there next and look. But he hammered that one for a long time. And then I saw him start walking down the edge of the field, another, like, 20 yards, hit another scrape. Like, real quick. Just, like, lifted his head a little bit, scraped once or twice, kept going, and went another 20 or 30 yards, did the same thing, another quick one, and then went on to about his feeding and everything. So with that, I think that you, uh, one thing I'd be looking for is size of the scrape. You'll see huge scrapes. And a lot of times when yeah. you find a huge one, granted, you had a video of one deer making a huge scrape, but when you get these big, big ones that are large, I mean – Typically, you have multiple deer hitting it. That's why it's growing yeah, so fast. When we're talking um, large, we're talking sometimes three, four feet. Yep. And it's know. bare. Like, yeah. they have rubbed everything or scraped everything out of there. So that's one thing I'm looking for. And two, if there is other ones in the area, which one are they probably going to most naturally come to in the first place, depending on where they're, like, if I have an idea where their bedding is, where they're probably coming from or to. So then I can see which one at least they're probably going to come smell first depending on the wind, obviously, but which one are they going to hit? And they're going to be like, oh, I, there's a scrape. I'm going to hit that one. And it's the convenient factor if I don't have one that's obviously larger. Yep. And I feel like the scrape I'm looking for, I'm looking for a scrape that's in close to wherever I think that deer is bedding. And I think to your point, um, the more I think about the times that I have gone through, been walking through bedding areas like that, I don't seem to find very many like little scrapes. Like, it seems to usually be that there's just one in the, like, on field edges, yeah, I'll find a crap load of scrapes. But it seems like near the bedding area, near wherever I think that the the deer is, there's one. Or it's big, around big that scrape. entire tree, like the, the camera I pulled for you last night. They, yeah. They seem to work all the way around it, but it's on but that that's one the spot. One. Yeah, yeah, that's the it. only one. Like, you could go walk the rest of that whole thing, and you might find one or two spots where one buck just was, was all horned up and made one scrape, yeah. but you won't find anywhere else right there that's got a scrape. That is the size of a car hood. And that's the one that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. That's the one that gives me warm and fuzzy. <laughs> like, if I find that one in the right spot, and yep. especially if I can find it early like now, I'm like, game on. Because I know that at some point you're going to hit this. As long as I do my job and I'm and I'm careful on hunting it with the right winds and everything and I'm accessing it okay, my chance of killing you is very, very good. So I, I will – did you have an opinion on that? No, you guys are way further ahead on uh, scrapes than I am. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, so this is a theory that I'm kind of learning this year with how many cameras I've had throughout the summer and doing scrapes and what we always say, and it, I, we're, we're right, science is right with it. You're always making scrapes throughout the entirety of the year. It's just a matter of how much. Now, I was under the impression that watching and observing in certain areas, and it's very different. Throughout the summer, as we're getting closer to October, November, they're going to start scraping more and more. And I saw that. So they shed their velvet, and my cameras lit up. Like, every different, all my cameras that were scrapes were getting hammered by multiple different bucks. I was getting new bucks coming in, moving in. I'm like, wow, this is, like, more than I've ever had. And then now I know they're moving to their fall ranges and where they're going to be during the rut. And I've noticed that even some of the deer that were hitting my scrapes, are now kind of, I think here's, it's been, it went went for like a week, because now it's changed. I got my cell cam, I've got that one cell cam, which I'm going to get yelled at for now. But the one cell cam that now, it had gone like a week where they weren't hitting it again, and I'm watching deer come by, 
some of them I did not know, and then nothing stopping to hit them. And I think the reason behind that is because now they're all hitting them again, and it's going crazy again. So I think the reason behind that is that this this that one two week period where they shed their velvet to the point of if they're going to move, that's what they're doing. They're moving to where they're wanting to go. Because I even watched one deer that consistently hits uh, one of my scrapes walk out into a field with another night with Joey, and he came out right next to that scrape and didn't even bother. He I think it's going. an introductor an introduction period. I think when they start moving to their fall range, they hit that scrape, let everybody know that they're there, and then they're not as concerned about it for a while until you get closer until to it's the challenge part. Yeah, until it starts saying they. I think that's when you see them go nuts in but, later October because now they're saying this is my yeah. spot. But my reason for saying that is because like that first week October, which we're still in somewhat right now, I wouldn't hone in 100% on one scrape, banking on that buck to come hit that scrape because. I don't know if he's going to do it consistently. I would say you have a more better chance of him hitting consistently after about that first week when they're now they're he does need to prove himself again. He needs to keep his dominance. He needs to let everybody know he's there. And so sitting there for your like your deer, it hits it every single year. That's when I'd be sitting on it. Right. But I I I guess my point is, is I think there's a little bit of though, a gap. You have you have other years of information right. on that. So yours is a yours is an odds game. Um, it's a matter of time. Well, I think, sitting so there. let's yeah. summarize the scrapes a little bit, I think, so that someone would could look listen to this and be able to say, so if you're trying to kill a buck, you know, you're not necessarily looking for the biggest one or the baddest one or whatever. You want to kill a nice deer. Hunting scrapes starting, let's say, the first weekend of October could be a very highly probable way of doing so. You're going to start to see – random deer showing up at those scrapes that that first week i don't really include that october 1st to the 7th there's some going on but i'm going to talk about something that i got on video a minute but and then when we get to the 7th to the 14th now you're going to start to see more deer hitting those scrapes and starting to 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 challenge other deer a little bit and then when you get to the 14th to the let's say the 30th i i truly believe that your best strategy is hunting scrapes the the right scrapes the right scrapes picking yes. the right scrapes and hunting them before they find a doe okay so yes but yeah. and, and and that's provided and and please anyone that's listening take this into account and apply it if you're in the south and your rut is a little bit later you got to kind of figure when our, our peak of our rut or the start of our rut i always say is right around november 3rd or 4th I, we've got video of bucks breeding does on those days and that typically seems to be when everything changes for us to say full-on rut activity but I saw something the other day that because and Shane I don't know how much you do you rattle or grunt or things like that do you do much calling I know you use a decoy a lot because I've seen some of the video <laughs> keep doing that please <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean um, I've not had a lot of luck rattling in like really mature deer but sometimes you know, I just try to get things going or whatever maybe bored I'll, I'll jerk the horns out hit them together and get you know I was really good for that. I mean, yep. I could not believe the first year, and I had, you know, I had three or four bucks first rattling sequence come in, and uh, the buck with the charge of decoy, I'd rattled right before that. Then he comes out, and he's 200 yards away, and he sees that decoy, and he's like, okay, and then he comes, you know, like on a string. And that was pretty cool. But So it's a little bit addictive, but when I get down get serious, I really don't rattle a whole lot. I mean, trying to kill a mature deer. See, and and I'm and I don't want to say I'm the exact opposite because there's times when I don't rattle as much as I used to because used to I like to see deer come, yes. so I would rattle at everyone and I want it and then they would come and you might not get a shot or they wind you. Now I'm much more selective when I rattle, but I but yeah I'm I'm whacking the antlers together every twenty minutes, you know. <laughs> But but the fork and horn that just came in, he could hardly get out of out of range of where Dad would rattle. Again. I'd rattle again, again to make him come back, you know, <laughs> just because it was cool to see. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I do not blame him. I think it's awesome to watch him come running into antlers and yep. stuff. But I've killed two or three of my best deer, mature deer, after rattling. One of the things that I even I have been skeptical of, I carry. I'm packing. Nick been my camera guy. He Who? can splits. Splits was one that I rattled Who in, else? and then the wide ten. I hit, he, he showed up down in the end of the food plot, and I hit the antlers, and he circled around came right up that road. Yeah, so those two for sure. And then I rattled uh, juice in two or three times, but didn't kill him. 
Well, it's because Juice just wanted to kill everybody. Yeah, well, he was the man. Yeah, and yeah so, he was you the know. Conor McGregor of the deer world. <laughs> but Except he could actually do something. But. So, but in, in, And if someone was to ask me, what's your sequence? You know, it's a minute and a half, two minutes. If you watch one of our episodes, Easton knows, you know, he mic- mimics me and makes fun of me talking about how long you rattle. The other night, now that my cameras, some, a lot of my cameras are on video. What he didn't say is that after he did that, a buck comes in and he shoot, shoots it. It was yeah. the biggest one to date for <laughs> yeah, me, too. He, he's making fun the whole time. A second I mean, now. And, yeah. And then it, soon as he, before he can even hang the antlers up, all of a sudden you see his his whole demeanor changes. He goes from, yeah, you want to do it like this? and then my Take dad, a little bit of a break, break here. here. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like, buck, 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 buck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, but my point is, is one, the time of year, this time of year, I would say, this is me saying this, and I'm going to completely contradict myself, is not a very good time of year to rattle. Too early. You know, they're just not ready for that. Um, as we get farther into October, it comes becomes one of the best times to rattle. During the rut, it's, it's I don't want to say it's fruto, but it's very difficult. Fruto? What the heck frutile, is that? Frutile is the futile? word. Futile? Futile. Sorry, I put it all <laughs> in there. But it's we struggle with words at Ray Contang. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it becomes difficult at that time. But right now, the other day, I think it was two days ago, I got video of two bucks that fought for over an hour. What? My camera kept going off and going off and going off, and it's the same two bucks. And and while those two bucks are fighting, two more bucks show up. I don't know how many others might have showed up, but. There at one point there's four of them, and they're all like 120 inch deer, but but and they weren't like going ham, like they were just doing the messing around type. Yeah. But they did it for over an hour. You see, I don't understand that specifically because I have now sat three days. Every day I've had two deer fighting, and they're not like fighting, but they're. I've always classified it. Now, granted, they've only did it for like a minute or two or whatever. They're pushing, and they're just like playing with each other, screwing with each other a little bit. And maybe have a little bit of dominance going there. But why in the world would they be just pl- – unless they're having that much fun for an hour. They probably – dude, they're deer. All they got to do is eat corn and lay around. You <laughs> might as well do something. <laughs> well, That's they, just odd. But these two bucks went – my point being is that don't be afraid to carry your rattling antlers with you and you see a buck out there, you know, or even just blind rattling right now just to see if the wind's good. And that's been my biggest thing is I'm not a big blind rattler because – I'm always, especially Iowa, they respond, and and I don't want them coming from the downwind side of me. Yep. And so I don't do it a lot. But I do think, like, now I'm considering packing these antlers and, and, and hitting them together at this time of year. Well, it is a good time to do it right now because if you're, like you're saying, you can see them, it's, it's a win-win. Like, if they right. don't come in, you're not It'll educating them. But anything. if they do come in, great. There's your buck. You, you already know you wanted to shoot him, so... It's not going to hurt you anything because they're probably other deer are fighting right now, just Absolutely. not hard. Having that said, you know my oldest deer I killed was nine year old, uh, nine half year. I think I was telling you about yeah, it. He sent you some pictures. Yeah, Lord. So he was uh, when I bought that eighty I was talking about. He was five years old, and, and the guy said, "You've got to kill this buck. He's a bully buck, and he was a big old wide deer. I mean, like, and like you could hundred and twenty some inch six point. Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> and he would be a six or seven every year. And I only saw him in daylight twice, for those from two thousand fifteen to two thousand nineteen. So he started daylighting just a little bit on this uh, this field over on the 80, about 5.30 in the evening, you know, 15 minutes left. So I thought I'll get it in a blind, throw a decoy out there, going against everything I believe in on an old mature deer, and uh, throw a decoy out. 5.20 comes along, I hit the horns together. Five minutes later, it looked like a, I mean, he was huge, big body deer. He looked like a, a bull coming across the field, like an Angus bull, and uh he was uh he field dressed two hundred fifty seven pounds probably wouldn't score what a hundred one hundred yeah, he's little <laughs> I mean he's neck down at nine and a half years yeah. old he's lost it all it's he come a pretty in, crazy photo what come in does, what does he have a cane on pretty much but <laughs> he's hobbling <laughs> in oh he looks like he could whip anyone yeah wow. his neck was his rack sucked but is his, that the one that plowed your decoy over no that was uh, same farm but just different deer and uh, but he comes in and uh, he's like at fourteen yards bristled up on that decoy and I'm like. This can't even be happening. I pulled back, and I'm not. I hadn't hunted out blinds much, and you gotta be careful in those blinds, like you were talking about. It's, I hit the blind with the stabilizer. And I'm oh like, yeah. Doom, and he he, was like, he runs out there about 37 yards. I didn't know the yardage, so I had to let up, arrange him. I'm over in the window this time. 
got lucky, smoked him. He runs yeah. 150 yards and dead. And I was so glad. As soon as he left. And he has no head. <laughs> Warren, all neck. Warren is passing around a picture <laughs> of your deer. Right. He looks like a bull in there. He does. He's just huge. But uh, awesome. he, uh, uh, as soon as he was dead, all the bucks started showing back up on camera. I mean, once he was gone, it was, you, you've seen that, I know. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. That buck that we're talking about that I was making fun of dad and shot him. Yeah, and he was not the biggest buck, just like this one's not the biggest buck, but some of them just have that demeanor that they're going to – and a lot of times they'll be the ones with the broken tines. They'll be the one that's missing an eye. For whatever reason, it seems like a lot of them are the inferior deer, almost like rack-wise. You know, slot people. Yep. And I think you got mean mean guys. (laughs) They got something to prove. I think that's all in our heads. I think some of them are just brawlers because, like, Juice – Juice is 180-some-inch deer, and his demeanor is, I'm going to wreck everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that some bucks are that way and some aren't. And I then, think with Juice, though, his body was so big, too, that he, it was fun for him to just hammer them because nobody was a competition. He had Not everything to to destroy win. other deer. Yeah, his I mean, rack was just built. A, the you know, configuration of his antlers yeah. would be hard to even. I can't believe that you had that old of a deer that was still like – Okay, I don't care that I'm 90 years old compared to everybody else. I'm still going to come whip up on somebody. Yeah. Well, I think Bullwinkle was fighting with somebody right before I shot him. Yeah, he was old deer too. Yeah, the year before, eight, eight, deer fighting. eight and a half, he had half his eye blown out. I mean, he had big pus stuff going. He fought every year. I mean, he was wow. mean. So I think, well, I would disagree with you a little bit on uh, as far as, I think if you're just trying to kill a buck in October, it's probably not the best time uh, to kill a buck. I would. I think you're better off trying to find a specific buck that you want to kill. And then from there, one, you like find I said, where he's at. you guys just take what we say and apply it if you want. We're not telling you how to do anything. We're just telling you what we're trying. As you can hear, we got four different strategies into how we're going to do this. But I do think you're, you're helping yourself and you're doing a favor in October if you can at least try to locate a buck or a few that are in at least somewhat of an area. Then try and put a little more work in and find somewhere close to where you think that he may come out, find some buck sign if you can, how aggressive you want to be, that's up to you. And then I think from there, then hunt it. And maybe you need to make a scrape or put a rub tree in. I'll tell you right mm-hmm. now, rub trees, if you got them coming to a food source, like I don't know if you're using rub trees, but if you need your buck at 25 yards, you need to put a rub tree in and some buck junkie on it. Right. I'm telling you right now. You guys got me. I'm getting ready to start putting out rub trees. Well, probably tr- probably beside, too late now. Beside the fact that it works, it's just freaking it. cool. Yeah. It's just fun. out of curiosity, do you have any of your rub trees in, like, the trees or in the woods? One. That's, does it work well? That's the one where he killed his deer last year. Oh, yeah, down And that's where I just got the picture of my deer. Yeah, that's true. See, I was just curious. Rub tree if, in the woods. Because I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was curious because a long time or, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, You'd start putting a uh, camera right in the middle of the food plot sometimes, mm-hmm. and they're curious, so they come over and destroy get, it. Yeah, <laughs> but I was curious if, like, if you put a rub tree in, say, a field where it's wide open, it's the only tree sitting there, right? As opposed to in the woods, there's lots. How of much from. difference? Because, like, right now, like I was just called you the other day about it because I have two rub trees out, and I'm like, what the heck? I can't get them to hit it. But you're sitting there, oh, mine are blowing up. And <laughs> granted, I was just curious. Too. Yeah, his is too. I'm like, what the heck? So He didn't put his deep enough in the ground. It's almost on the ground. Yeah, well. well my deer are just more aggressive. Okay. <laughs> They're just bull. <laughs> Whatever. I didn't. But I was just curious if you have experienced yeah, much difference. Did you I concrete did, the last one, though? I, I didn't concrete any this year. I was trying no. to see. <laughs> I should have. Last year, I put concrete in. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it's a good thing I did because when uh, – when, uh, I think that's a good idea because those two that I showed you, yeah. they've almost pu- pushed over. I bet you they're, I'm twenty inches deep at yeah. least to two feet. But Mine they may have, two they might have broke it. I'm not sure if they didn't break it. Oh, well, I, like I think they might have broke it at the base. But but yeah. it but it I first started when I first started doing it, Shane. I did it for the exact reason of what you're facing, where you get deer come to the food plot that you want. But if your food plot is too big, you know, or or it's a cornfield or whatever or something yeah. they're coming to, and It'd be different if you were gun hunting. Okay, I can shoot them pretty much anywhere they are, depending on the size of the field. But I need them, like Warren was saying, at 25 yards or less. You put this tree there, and it's like, oh, well, I'm here to eat, but at the same time, I need everyone to know that I run this field tonight, and they walk to it. 
and you can get a shot. And so, like, last year I passed up the nine. It's like a sucker at the bank. You just can't not take one. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. perfect for these blinds. You, we're talking about sometimes it's hard to get a shot in a certain angle, especially you guys, you know, filming. So you, you, you can shoot, you know, you can put that rub out there. I'm sure you put can. Put it where you want. Yep. For sure. True. But to, to your putting them in the trees, the scent on it, and then getting the, and getting them to start, once they started on that tree, Every deer, including, I mean, I will, I honestly believe with all my heart that if he had let her walk another eight feet, you know, rip that thing he out. was going straight to the tree, and Warren just shot him before he could get to it. Yeah, you know whether he was just going because there no was two, regrets. there was two bucks fighting, <laughs> and so whether he was just going there to say, okay, I know you guys are over there, but let me show you who I am, and then mark his territory. But so, they, is there any certain trees you like to use, or is that getting no, too deep in the secrets? White, white pine, white pine, white pine. That, that seems to be our favorite. Now, he they tried a couple I, different I ones. will say white pine, though, and I think you need to be careful on size, like not too small, because oh, yeah. I have smaller ones, and they aren't. That's, See, I, I definitely. And dads are like that that big around. Like it's just a branch of it or something, yep. and mine are, they're branches from one, but like that. So it's like, I think some of these deer look at that, they're like, I ain't, I'm not going to rub that. I don't know. I mean, I've seen plenty of small, so four or five inch tree, six, six to eight inch, six to eight, eight, inch. Six okay. eight inch diameter kind of tree. They'll break four or five inches. Yeah, in it, no time. I, I mean, the, the size of his cup would be perfect. Maybe he, that would that would be on the small side. Okay, he's uh, he, what, what? Here's uh, it's a white pine. Yeah, no, what's the had, other one? You, you guys had something Scotch else? Pine. Oh, white birch. White birch. That's what it was. They haven't hit that one. Oh. Yeah, the coons love that one, but you're saying the size of this. At the That's smallest, like three inches. You guys measure yeah, different here no, now. Invited this guy. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that guy. Dad jokes, you know. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but the other thing is, is I start it for him. You know, I'll scrape it up. Smaller than the, that. The but. main reason that I believe the white, we think that the white pines work better. Two reasons: one, it's soft, and number two, it has. Um, pine, it has. Uh, this is the secret, man. Yeah, don't. What are you doing, David? It's come on, it man. Sticks to the, it sticks to the tree. Yeah. It's, okay. So I don't believe that. It, I don't believe that. You want a sappy tree. tree? Yeah. So anyhow, and just we, sad trees. That's what we mean by that. You know, okay. We think that trees. the deer actually do recognize that, and so they just seek get rid out of something them because they know they're to be the able trees to. Just not you know, it'll hold longer. It's good to know. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I and we did have someone that told us that they would give it. Was it Scotch? It was the Scotch pine. I never went and got them yet. But I do think, I've, uh, from you what have, I've understand, you have the Australian pine. The Australian pines I didn't end up putting out. It was too hard. I felt like it wasn't going to hold the scent like I wanted. It was really hard when I was scraping on the tree. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think that I'm, one's bark shags a little it, more it's too, doesn't different. it? Different. It was just I I wasn't familiar with it, so. Yeah. And that's weird because I don't think there's a pine tree on any of my farms. I've plenty of cedar, no yep. pines. I think that's part partially yeah. why it works so well because yeah. it's not there. Most something of the places around here is uh, yeah, yep. that's something new. I don't know. They, it's to the point where it's I'm, native to the state, though. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. it is cause northeast corner. There's a whole bunch of them. Yep. Well, I you see know. some around here when you're driving now, and I'm looking at trees and people's yards. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they let me. Come yeah, my cut neighbors get rid of some pines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just need a limb or two, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that we've kind of. Beat this thing. Food is a is number. I mean, I think we all agree that food's going to play a primary role in what we're doing, whether they're going to or coming from. And green sources are going to be better at this early stage of October. And and again, we're applying this to the Midwest. What you know, the time of year it is. Um, and then as we move into later on, your other ags are going to start. Soybeans and corn will start to be a huge factor. But as you can hear, scrapes are a big deal. I mean, they're they're a big deal for all of us, and and we're keying in on them. And I do think that you will see. I mean, we might eat our words here in another couple of weeks, but we're gonna see. I I do feel like we're all tar- we're we're all feel more confident going into October than maybe we ever have. And so I do think we'll see a deer or two fall in October. Yep. Um, but I don't want anyone to think that, as Warren said, it's just our opinion, and we're just trying. Um, man, when it don't work, when we don't have the right scrape or the right wind to hunt the right scrape, it doesn't mean you're not going to see me at Walmart that day shopping because I'm going to be sitting in a stand somewhere else. Yep. And we may kill a deer in, you know, in that s- typical fashion of, I know deer travel through here and we're sitting there and here he comes. And 
by God, I won't be any upset that I end up shooting a good deer because I did something that just by hunting, period, you know, just applying the hunting to it. So, but um, as you move into, you know, late October and then into the first of November, that's going to change. We'll we'll start talking more about the rut and how that plays into it. So a lot of times that random hunt you're talking about is when you kill a big one, because I think what you were talking about earlier, I agree with you, they pattern. They, they learn they've been hunting, and I think they pattern us a lot of times because sometimes I'll just go in a totally different way see different deer. Hunt the same field three or four days in a row. almost know who's coming out. Then come in some other different way or hunt a different stand, totally different. I, mean, yeah. I killed my deer last year. Yep. I was hunting one specific buck, didn't have a wind, went and hunted somewhere else completely and yeah. shot him on the first day. Yep. Yep. What did you kill last year? The, the one we were talking about at the rub? No, yeah. The 10. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, anything else anyone wants to add? We forgot, you know, to hunt with a spotlight. That's a good way to kill them. Yeah. Spotlight. Yeah. Good <laughs> Lord. We do not support these things, okay? I feel like we have to go over this every time, okay? Don't obey do that. Obey the laws. We all obey the laws. Right, no, I'm just Goodness kidding. Gracious. Shane, Shane has bought a lot of our scents, but he just pours it on the seats of his truck and rolls the windows down and drives through the <laughs> Turns the AC all the way up and points it out. Hondo, <laughs> number one customer. <laughs> No wonder we're sold out. <laughs> yeah, it, he's lonely hot dough truck. That's what it is. He just drives it through there. Yeah. No, Shane, we sure appreciate you swinging by. And, and um, like I said, uh, Shane's a good friend of ours. And some of the videos you've seen, Shane has supplied for us and um, got a lot of knowledge. I, I do b- believe highly in your success. And so appreciate you. Appreciate everyone listening. Thank Thanks you, for guys. Having me. Yeah, thank Keep you. Keep leaving reviews. We appreciate it. Yeah, I think we've started to get a few yeah. more, haven't we? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and like uh, and they've all been five stars. So I also thank you for all those of you guys want three or less. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep them off there. We don't need any of that. Yeah. Well, we don't no yeah. negative energy around here. Well, the big thing is is just that we and the other one that I would encourage people and is let us know what you want. Let us know what you want to hear a podcast on, and we'll try to cover it. This one kind of came from someone that uh, reached in and said that this is what they want. So. All right, well, we're going to go climb in a tree because it's now time to do that. So thanks again from the Raised Hunting crew. We sure appreciate you.